This episode of Shameless is brought to you by Audible, the home of storytelling. Download the Audible app and start listening today. Hello and welcome to the May instalment of the Shameless Book Club. This month we read Jenny Jackson's debut novel, Pineapple Street. Pineapple Street follows three women in an old money Brooklyn Heights family. One was born with money, one who married into it, and one who wants to give it all away. Over the course of the novel, we learn about the intricacies of the Stockton family's dynamic, how they each feel about their relationship with wealth, and whether or not you can ever really break out of the mould your parents created for you. Joining me today is podcast producer Annabelle Lee. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and partnerships manager Cassie Allen. Hi. Hi. It's your first book club. Are we ready? I'm so ready. I've come out of my sales land of PowerPoints. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, this is why I'm in the job. You're a big reader, Cassie, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So some of our listeners might have seen you pop up on our TikTok, our book club TikTok, because you do love to read. So I'm very excited to talk to you both about this. We're going to start where we always start. It is, of course, giving some background on the author. Annabelle Lee, Yeah. what did you find? Well, Jenny Jackson is, first of all, a really cool name. Alliteration. We love it. She has been a book editor for about 20 years. She's actually also, like, looked after some really cool authors that we know, like Gabrielle Zevin and Kevin Kwan. Pineapple Street is Jenny's debut novel, but she actually wrote a book before this one, after the death of a loved one, but then she came to realise that it was too personal to publish And then she felt like writing something lighter, hence the existence of Pineapple Street. I'm so intrigued by that, that books sometimes fall out of people so much Mm. that they write something that ends up being so personal that they can never release it into the world. Mm. Must be therapeutic. Exactly. Yeah. Cassie, what about you? What did you find on Jenny Jackson? I listened to Sentimental Garbage. Me too. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, that's because Sahani, our (laughs) team, told us to. (laughs) She got homework for this. (laughs) Yes, I was was briefed. Um, And she had this really interesting perspective and obviously why she wrote the book. She spoke about our obsession with rich people and making them relatable and how we really want to fight for them and relate to them, I guess. I I've seen her talk a lot about like our obsession with, as you say, like White Lotus and Succession and that those characters are like quite unlikable. And she's like, why don't I write a kind of likable rich family? I mean, I don't know if she strictly wanted them all to be likable because they certainly weren't. Georgiana. (laughs) Oh, spoiler. (laughs) Anyway, I think for me, when it came to Jenny Jackson, I have done a bit of reading into her career because I do find it pretty fascinating for two reasons. Firstly, just generally interesting. Secondly, our listeners might know I actually read this book over summer in January. So to kind of get myself back into the zone of this, I listened to a lot of interviews with her. So now I just have like this kind of big full brain of Jenny Jackson info. She seems like a sweetie. Yeah, she seems very sweet. Couple of things I found fascinating. Has been a book editor for over 20 years. So she works very, very closely, as you said, Annabelle, with authors on their own books and really high profile authors. She's also actually putting Dolly Alderton's books out into the US at the moment as well. You know, she would see a lot of good work and I just can't imagine what it would be like writing a book when you're so high profile in an industry. Like I do have so much respect for it. And I saw, I don't know if you guys, did you guys read any of the Goodreads reviews about this? No, I haven't. I saw a few. Yeah. And I saw a few snarky ones. about always are. (laughs) Yeah. And some people were snarky about the fact that she's just another book editor who got a book deal and I found that thought process really interesting where it's like well yes she knows people 
And yes, there were reports that she got like seven figures for this book, which is astronomical for a book. Well, astronomical anywhere, (laughs) but astronomical for a book deal. And so people are kind of acting like she's some random Nepo baby to enter the industry. But I'm intrigued as to why we're not looking at this as someone who worked 20 years in sort of a non-linear path to become an author. Like she honed her craft for 20 years with other people's books before writing her own. Yeah, like if anything, her experience makes her the ultimate author. She's worked with so many different kinds of authors. She's gained so much of that knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this is another kind of by the by. I don't actually know how much of this you're interested in, guys. (laughs) Well, we can't say no. (laughs) You're allowed to. (laughs) No, I'm interested. I'm absolutely interested. (laughs) Um, I found it interesting. I wonder if you guys will as well that there was a profile of her in the New York Times and in that New York Times piece it mentioned that she lived with her in-laws for six months during the pandemic before she wrote this book oh do you find that an interesting fact in the context of this book do you think her in-laws are super wealthy well no she said I love Tori's family which is her partner but they are not my family oh that's in the book yeah and I was like How interesting telling the world this when you've written a whole book, well, a third of a book from Sasha's perspective about your relationship with your in-laws and living in their space. So you think the implication is that maybe Jenny Jackson has been ostracized from a family? I don't know. (laughs) Sorry, I went so far the other way. No, I don't think ostracized at all. I think from all what I read, it seems like she gets along very well with her partner's family, but was still using the delicate dynamics of in-laws to maybe inform parts of this right. book, which I That's found really interesting. Juicy goss. Do you guys have anything else you found that you want to add and throw in before we move on? Cassie? Well, she actually lived on Pineapple Street. Did you guys know that? <gasps> yeah, oh, I yeah. didn't. Here am I bragging about my brain full of Jenny Jackson. <laughs> I might have done a Google search. Um, yeah, she lived on Pineapple Street and a lot of the like funny little stories within the book are from real life scenarios. So like a bit of a spoiler, I guess, the bit about the kid's teeth that actually happened to one of her friend's kids that accidentally ate their aunt's teeth. What? Like that's where she got the inspiration <laughs> from. It's just fake. No. It is so specific that it must <laughs> yeah. be an anecdote. That's so true. And um, her kids were obsessed with dead pigeons and apparently <laughs> used to carry them around parks. Oh my God. And but you're so right. random. Annabelle's right. It's like so specific that it must be real. Mm. Another thing that I think Jenny may have, well, not may have, she definitely drew from real life was that she said that the actual book was partially inspired by an article that she read in the New York Times called The Rich Kids Who Want to Tear Down Capitalism, which kind of mirrors the Curtis Mc... McCoy. McCoy (laughs) article in the book. The piece in the New York Times was a piece about young heirs whose like mammoth inheritances clash with their socially conscious moral compasses. Like I guess as the generations move forward, they become more socially aware. Yeah, well, that's certainly what we've been seeing at the moment. And I felt I read that as well, Mm. that she saw that and she was like, maybe there's a, a book idea here. The last thing I wanted to add is I loved this quote from her in the Daily Mail where I think a journal asked her, given she's worked with so many books in the past, whether she knew that when she wrote this, it was going to be a hit. And she said, I'm trying to think of a way to say this that doesn't sound insane. Oh God, forgive me. I'm just going to say it. Like, you know, when Tiger Woods hits the ball, he knows if it's going in. And the Daily Mail journal was kind of like, if that sounds immodest, I guess she's right though. And I was like, I just like it. I like that confidence. And she was right. She was right. Which proves she had her finger on the pulse because of that experience she had as a book editor. 1000%. Let's talk about the book itself. Uh We're going to start with the characters. There are quite a few characters in this book. Cassie, who did you love? 
Um, well, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, problematic, but Tilda was really, really funny. No, like, I completely agree. She was very entertaining. Like, yes, I know that she sort of stood for what the issue was. But once I learned to accept her and her Christmas card at the end, oh, like so funny. That Christmas card was a real highlight for me. I think that's when Jenny Jackson really did shine when she was writing dialogue for people like Mm -hmm. Tilda. And that when she was sort of saying like Cord and Sasha's next bohemian lifestyle, it's just funny. I actually agree with you. She was one of my favorites as a character. Obviously, the character herself was quite flawed. What about you, Annabelle? Yeah, she was flawed, but also there was a quote from Malcolm at the end of the book where he tells Dali, you need to give your parents more credit. I think the point that Jenny was trying to make was that like, there are good people deep, deep down and, you know, they might surprise you. Yeah. My favourite character was Sasha, maybe predictably. I mean, it's hard not to sympathise with someone who is so obviously like on the outs amongst a group of people who like seemingly despise you at your core. Like yeah. it's just so palpable to read that. And I felt bad for her. There was a line from the New York Times that read, how to comprehend a family that offers her an enormous house to live in free of charge, but still refuses to make room for her in any meaningful way. And I just think that's like the ultimate form of exclusion that I just can't fathom. And that was like so hard to read. Yeah. Did you love Sasha as well, Cassie? Yeah, definitely. At the start, I thought her and Cord reminded me of that couple in season one of The White Lotus, where <gasps> he's an absolute douche and she's like a bit oblivious and doesn't yes. realize what she's landed herself into. That's such a good call because he in White Lotus was a real mummy's boy yeah. as well. And Cord's a real mummy's boy in this book. Yeah. And Tilda, you know, she was the ultimate terrible mother-in-law, I guess, from that perspective. So I thought that was what they were going to be like, but she came through for me, Sasha. I really liked her. Completely. I think it's so interesting because it's so not often the characters that I find kind and well-intentioned to be the interesting ones. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like they're usually quite boring, but I didn't find her boring at all. I did find her quite layered and maybe how I would expect me or any of my friends or you guys to be in the scenario that she was in. Like I could see so many of my friends being her. Yeah. Putting on a bit of a show in front of the in-laws, but actually having quite a bit of depth and complexity to you that you're kind of not showing them, but really want them to see. My favorite section from her was on page 194. And it was after the family wedding when she had loaned the dress to Georgiana and then overheard people talking about her. And this is how the passage reads. Sasha never told Cord what happened at the Greenwich wedding, pleading a migraine and wearing sunglasses on the drive back to Brooklyn the next day. After that, she decided she was done with trying with Cord's sisters. She was done inviting the family for dinners at the limestone she was done bringing bagels to orange street for brunch she was done joining for weekends at spyglass or weekday lunch at dali's apartment yes georgiana was in pain she had slept with a married man that was terrible yes dali was worried for malcolm scared his career had been permanently derailed but it was now clear to sasha that they had only confided their secrets in her because of how little it mattered to them what she thought and i was like oh sad but also power to you yeah what do you guys make of Cord then? Because I found him fucking annoying. <laughs> but he made Sasha feel like she was isolated to this extent that she couldn't communicate this stuff to him. Yeah, it's I haven't had an experience, right, with a in-laws that have been really tough or needed to kind of rely on my partner to be the bridge between me and his family. So the idealist in me wants to say, but a healthy relationship would offer that bridge. But a lot Mm. of people might be screaming at me listening to this saying it doesn't work like that. I did think he wasn't there enough, though. 
Yeah, what, what do you are? think, Cassie? Well, red flags, like when they had the prenup mm. and he was just kind of like, oh, like just brushed over it. It's like, yes, that's a really big decision and he didn't like hold it. Not that she needs him to hold her hand through it. But, but I think you he, sometimes do. Yeah, like your family's really freaking rich. Yeah. Like, just brief me on it yeah and that's not everyone's experience of the world and she clearly wanted to talk about it and he was like no let's bottle it I just hate (laughs) I don't know why I hated court so much I've also never in my personal life had an experience like this but I just think that Sasha clearly felt like the odd one out and he needed to be in her corner even if he didn't agree with everything that she was necessarily saying in those big rooms full of his family members I think he needed to back her in public spaces though so that like I don't know. She felt like she had someone next to her. Do you feel like he was just like a bit too dumb <laughs> like, to understand? Yeah. I definitely got the sense from him that he was just like a bit of a dodo. Not a lot going on in his brain. And <laughs> which maybe sounds really mean. But I actually didn't mind him as a character in the same way that I didn't mind Tilda. They seemed kind of at least authentically themselves. Like they didn't annoy me as much in real life the kinds of characters that would drive me up the wall yeah but in a book the kinds of characters I loved there was a quote on 286 if you don't mind me reading it that I thought was very funny from Cord, but you know (laughs) I'll hate it (laughs) (laughs) Annabelle's sitting on the edge of her seat this is in a section where Dali's sort of wrangling with the fact that she's only ever grown up around rich people and she's like oh my god maybe there's like a big wide world out there and I should have hung out with other people and this is how the passage goes when Dali told this to Cord once he squinted and looked perplexed he didn't seem to feel this way at all you need to loosen up, Dar. This is a city full of interesting people. Oh. I thought that quote was perfect because it, not only did it not answer the question, it's like it doesn't even make sense. What are you talking about? This is a city of interesting people. Yeah, he's just, <laughs> I just find him so annoying. But I interestingly had that quote down as one of the reasons why I disliked Dali was mm. that because you know how at the end of the book, everyone had, this is actually kind of a weakness of mine. I found it annoying that everything was kind of tied so neatly. Yeah, Dali's neat tie moment was that she was like, oh my God, maybe rich people are inherently selfish. <laughs> maybe we also always stick together. And like, I wonder why that is. And then she went on for like three pages going on about how historically people have been leeches in her life because she is so rich and all of that. And I found that really annoying because it's like, I feel like you're missing the point. Well, it's also like, are you feeling like you should see more of the world and that you should like extend your circle a bit? Or are you saying that even if you did that, people would take advantage of you? Exactly. Like, what do you actually believe? Did you like Dali Cassie? No, I found her like surprisingly very frustrating. Yeah. I, I felt like she was trying to be like, oh yeah, I'm doing it on my own and I've said farewell to the inheritance and her and Malcolm built something together. But at the same time, they still lived in the same orbit. So I feel like <laughs> they ended up, it's like those paths where you end up at the same place. Yeah, you like, just well, took a detour. And then she also made the inheritance go to her kids. But I feel like that's just putting a Band-Aid over the situation. Mm. Like... Okay, I'm so glad you've said that. Um, Sorry, I've got so many passages to read out. But this was another one of my favourite quotes. I found it incredibly funny. I think it was on 180 on the concept of inheritance. And she clearly had this like badge that she was wearing about being Mm. the one that rejected her inheritance, but it also cut her up inside. Yeah. (laughs) And then there was this passage on 180. 
When Dali read that Bill Gates was giving his children less than 1% of his fortune, a mere $10 million each, her first thought was, that's still too much. Inheritance had a way of ruining people. It's like, oh my God. Just because you're not getting it. Yeah. And then she's just going to go and do that and give it to her kids. Yeah. So you can't care that much. I, I thought Malcolm was the reason why. I felt some like any form of like, oh, I like Dali Little. Malcolm was great. Malcolm was one of my favorite characters. I did think that he was going to cheat though. Oh. Because Dali set up the passage of like, oh, everyone that Malcolm works with cheats on their partners. And I was like, oh, oh no, it's coming for him. It actually would have been a good twist for the really nice guy to get fed up with it all. Yeah, but Travel alas, all the time. The cheating storyline happened with Georgiana. Oh. Who I, surprise, surprise, also dislike. Okay, <laughs> I will let you take me there, but we are going to have a breakfast. Okay. Zara, we're often sharing book recs on the podcast and of course reviewing books every month for the Shameless Book Club. So boy, oh boy, are we excited about today's sponsor, Audible. Absolutely, Mish. We've listened to so many audiobooks over the years through the Audible app and they are such a great form of entertainment for anyone looking to spice up their commute or cooking prep. If you find it hard to incorporate reading into your day, audiobooks are so great because they're obviously hands-free. So you can go about doing tasks like cleaning or walking your dog whilst also consuming some great novels. It kind of feels like free time or something or like a life hack. I get to do what I had already planned for the day, but I also get to absorb an incredible book. As you guys might already know from a recent episode of Shameless, I highly recommend listening to the memoir, Not a Pity Memoir by Abby Morgan. The narration was some of the best I've ever heard. Yeah, you've sold me on that one. We are also huge fans of the memoir, I'm Glad My Mum Died by Jeanette McCurdy. I absolutely devoured that one on Audible. Jeanette was such an incredible storyteller. If you're keen to listen to one of the memoirs we suggested or want to check out more audiobooks, podcasts and Audible originals, download the Audible app and start listening today. Thank you so much to Audible for making this episode of Shameless possible. So Georgiana, interestingly, only annoyed me during the chapters that she was perceived by other people. In her own chapters, I found her quite mellow and maybe a little likable, which is interesting because it was from her perspective and maybe that says a lot about how she perceives herself. Is there a bit of younger sibling thing about that, that people always talk about the youngest person in the family? Sorry, I know that you both are the youngest <laughs> people in your families. Tread carefully, Zara. <laughs> with an air of maybe infantilization, like yeah. they're just a bit young and immature and like not as adult. And she gets away with maybe being a bit blunter because people just go, oh, it's just Georgiana being yeah. Georgiana. I hated that about her. Yeah. Did you like Georgiana? No, I didn't. Although I did say, I think I've come dressed as her today. My tennis <laughs> oh, you are so looking like a tennis I player d- today. A bit of inspo from her. No, I don't think you're, you're not supposed to like her, are you? Because no, I, I did so. not. And I feel like she could not connect her actions with her purpose. Like, you know, she said she wanted to work for the not-for-profit, but at the same time, she was writing all these newsletters, but I don't think she really understood what they were contributing to Mm. and she could do so much she also did not realize she had 37 million dollars that could be (laughs) how do you not know know? (laughs) like (laughs) sorry be healthy like rather than doing the newsletters but obviously she found it on the end but yeah I think one of the reasons I don't like Georgiana is one of her main characteristics was a characteristic I cannot stand in people and it's learned helplessness yes it's like oh I didn't know that as if you've never had the opportunity 
to learn about it. Like she's kind of always had her hand held through life. And so never felt any need to kind of break out of that mold or do anything different. Also, after she found out that Brady was married, I found it really interesting that she was then like, oh, now that I know he's married, his wife's popping up everywhere. And it's like, God, your eyes are closed to the world. Yeah. Like you see the world how you want to see it and you don't see anything else. Also, when Sasha like loaned her her dress and she was being like a massive bitch about it. And also when they were on the way to that wedding. Sorry, this is really small. Sasha had her dresses hanging up in the car and Georgiana just like threw her bag in and crushed all of Sasha's stuff. For yeah. someone who read this book a while ago, you certainly yeah. remember. <laughs> I don't remember that at I, all. I just remember it because it's such an annoying thing to do to have no a social awareness. Yeah. yeah, it seemed like Georgiana was a bit of a dick for most of the book, right? But then still obsessed with being seen as good. Yeah, Yeah. which is why her pivot at the end of the book, her character pivot of like seeing her wealth and all of that through a different lens and trying to like teach her family about privilege and everything. (laughs) (laughs) It felt too fast for me. I was like, this seems too unrealistic. It didn't feel fast because I feel like she doesn't want to be good to be good. I feel like she wants to be good to be seen as good. And that can be a quick branding decision mm, okay uh, there was a section on page 278 again towards the end just near where she tried to tell her family about pakistan and periods <laughs> and i was like okay it was after she wrote this letter to curtis mccoy which i will get to in a second because oh, i have many thoughts and she said she hoped he would read it she hoped he might understand how a good person would have done something so stupid georgiana wanted so badly to be better but she still had so much work to do felt a lot like perception still without any deep excavation yeah for me anyway this is completely off topic but i did quite enjoy the actual email i thought it was funny yeah that she like put her name in the curtis you're looking at me so blank sarah no i know i'm not blank i had it, I had it as <laughs> oh. like my first weakness oh like my first you disliked w- it. i hated that letter but Why? Ca- you liked it cassie well, it was funny. It was funny? I found it really funny. And then... <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is good. This is good. Tell me more. And then I don't remember what she said. Like, she said she only wrote a small line in the email attaching it, being like, oh, I've forgotten it, but I just thought it was funny hilarious. <laughs> Should we just jump to strengths and weaknesses with this it. in mind? Because I wanted to talk about this letter because I felt like... I really loved this book. I mean, I recommended it on the podcast after reading it over summer. I really, really liked it. It was like a perfect summer beach read. But I did feel like parts of the book were a bit too cliched. I mean, you know what? For the for the listeners, we're going to the letter. Yeah, we're going to read parts it. out. And I want to see how you guys feel about this letter now. I'm going to regret saying that. <laughs> Stockton knows. Sorry, this is talking about herself not only in third person but with her last name that it will be hard for people to believe that she has turned over a new leaf, but she hopes that by finally acknowledging her mistakes in this article, Curtis McCoy, local heartthrob and excellent kisser... You can't read it like that. ...might give her a second chance. I think if you read it more straight, it would have been funny. Also, wait, okay, I'll read this bit straight. Okay. Georgiana is part of a growing movement of millennials who have been raised as one percenters but are now realising they are assholes. (laughs) People like me shouldn't exist, Stockton says from her Brooklyn apartment. I'm 26 years old. There is no logical reason for me to have Chanel sunglasses. (laughs) 
Okay, you know what? I, two, I think that's two it's against two one. Against one. I, there's no doubt. I it was sugar. Was, it was nice. Yeah, but you know what? And who am I to deny sugar? Who am I? I mean, start me with a strength or weakness, Cassie. I don't care. Go wherever you want. <laughs> it was very easy to pick up each time and get back into it. I didn't have to think, you know, too much. I'm jealous of all the people who are going on mid-year breaks and they're going to read this on a banana lounge because I read it on the train in the freezing cold and I was like, this would be so nice with the rosé in my yeah. hand. Like, it's the perfect summer quick read. You don't have to think too much. It was sugary. I liked it. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think one of the reasons why it was so easy to read is because of the structure. It's like that Three Women Heartsick by Jesse Stevens has a similar kind of structure. Like, I think it's the ultimate page turner because you're looking for the next person that you heard about a couple chapters ago that you were still thinking about and wondering what was happening in their lives. It's funny though, because I found this book, like you did Cassie, incredibly easy to read. But Jenny actually joked in an interview that she finds it like a bit of a backhanded compliment when people say that. Yeah. Because she's like, I want people to say, no, it's really thought provoking and not like <laughs> that simple. But no, I think ultimately easy to read is a great thing. Did you guys find it thought provoking or simple? I thought maybe the ending made it simple. Yeah. I felt like through the 300 pages of the book, Jenny was trying to work through what it means to be like generationally wealthy like this. And then the simplicity of the ending kind of made all of that fall flat for me. Simple or thought-provoking, Cassie? No, I think it was simple. I felt like at the end, it was just this little snow globe and it's just <laughs> so and true. they lived happily ever after. Yeah. <laughs> like nothing changed. Yeah, I mean, this video is probably worth unpacking the ending. Like, the line where it was like, and none of them realised that the match didn't stop burning <laughs> yeah, or something. Like, so sorry, silly. I've completely paraphrased. It was akin to me. Firstly, how have we ended up with two books two months in a row with fires at the end to kind of cleanse the whole book? That it's can't annoying. be a thing. Secondly, it again kind of reminded me of a concept of like, and then I woke up mm, and it was yeah. all a dream. Yeah. Like, it can't be that simple, surely. It was like Jenny was trying to... I get what she was trying to do, like, oh, rebirth. <laughs> like, they've all learned all these things and now they're a new family. But the house was hardly burned. I don't think they learned a lot. No. Like, I know Georgiana thinks she went through this huge rebirth, but I actually, from start to finish, that's probably one of my weaknesses is I don't think they went through a huge character transformation. Mm. And finding out that she got seven figures, I probably would have liked another hundred more pages, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and I also think she was probably trying to conclude it like that, have Malcolm get this new job after all this time looking, have Georgiana be this, like, newfound person. The fire was annoying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one thousand percent the fire was annoying. I wanted Malcolm to find a job, so I was really happy for him to find a job. Was also happy that Dali went back to work because it sounded like something she was craving mm. and really wanted, so I was happy with that. Sasha staying in the fam with Cord. Mm. What do we think? It's sort of that question of like, do you pick a partner based on logic and who's going to like be by your side for the rest of your life? Or are you going to pick them based on fire and passion and all of those kinds of things? She did sort of go to the logic and stay by my side kind of thing. So it wouldn't make any sense for me for her to be like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm going to chase the other thing. Yeah. You know, because I thought she had enough love. No, maybe I, don't, yeah. maybe I just didn't care. Can't you have both, though? Yes, I think you should. <laughs> I think you should have both. But yeah. I don't, do you reckon she had love? Oh, 
a form of love. I don't know if it's like the strongest or like it's not the form of love that I think I would want. Yeah. yeah. It's not what I would want either. Do you know what? I think Cord was like a golden retriever. I don't think he realized the love he was giving, but he enjoyed it. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> and I don't think she'll have a bad life with him. No. That's why I was, maybe that's why I kind of didn't care at the end. Cause I was like, well, she seems happy enough. And a lot of people don't have that. No, that's true. Um, I don't want to have like a depressing outlook. <laughs> but I, I, so I didn't really care for where Sasha ended up. It was the others that I was really, really focused on. A couple of other things we haven't touched on that I want to. I did find the Brady dying storyline quite strong. I mean, we haven't mentioned it this whole episode. I think being a mistress and having your, I guess, partner, we'll call them a partner, die will always be a pretty horrendous predicament to me. Like what happens to your grief? What happens to you? And I felt like Jenny Jackson wrote Georgiana's character very strongly in those passages. Yeah. And the passage where Georgiana was kind of reckoning with the power dynamic and the age difference and being like, maybe with time, I'll see this differently. What did you guys think about that? I found it fascinating that she ended up skewing her career to be sort of what Brady's career was. Yeah. Because she had that moment of like, maybe I'll see this as icky down the line. But then she was like, oh, but I'm going to carry on Brady's work. I was really glad it was put in there. Part of me was glad that there was no further exploration of it because it kind of hit me for six. Yeah. But another part of me was like, oh, I wouldn't mind some more exploration on this because I don't really know how I feel about it. What do you think, Cassie? I actually don't know. Maybe that was Jenny's intention. Whole point. Talking about Brady and Georgiana's relationship so vaguely, because that is a whole other conversation, I guess. Maybe the briefness of Georgiana's thought process about that power dynamic was like that because it was like in a moment of grief. And I just think it all made sense. 100%. Also, we only heard about Brady through Georgiana. We only knew of him Mm. through her. So I just thought he was like this young guy at work who, yes, was slightly more senior to her, but like it was fine. But the more I think about it, the more it's like I would love to know how other people perceived him and whether it would look very differently. The only other one weakness I had, sorry, this is so niche, the nickname GD, Gold Digger, uncreative. Yeah. Like is anyone ever calling someone GD? It doesn't roll off the tongue. It didn't land for me. It's giving gold defense. Yes, it is giving gold defense. It didn't make any sense to me. And it's like it actually is such a core part of this book for Dali and Georgiana to quietly bully Sasha. But I didn't find the bullying convincing enough. Like they were bitches for sure. But I'm more interested in Dali only asking halfway through the book where Sasha went to uni than them calling her a gold digger behind her back. Like it felt too cliched to me. It was unrealistically childish. Yes. Like these people are adults. Yeah, they could come up with something a bit better. But maybe also that just sums up the family. Like they're just so not (laughs) self-aware. Yeah, true. They're so dumb. Yeah, and like not that smart but have all this cash. All right, with all of this in mind, we've gone through quite a bit. I am very intrigued to hear what you guys would rate this book. Annabelle, I'm going to start with you. Out of five, what are you giving me? I'm giving you a four. Nice. My only negative was the ending. Yeah. A shame that the ending holds a lot of weight. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it kind of matters. Yeah. But I genuinely really enjoyed reading the book. It was so easy to read, so engaging. That ending, God, I'm just so annoyed that it was bad. But then, look, sorry, I don't want to go back anywhere because we've like spent so long talking about this book. The only thing I thought is, do you think that was Jenny Jackson's whole point? Because she's a really good book marketer. She would know that a really simple, easy book will sell. Or is that sort of a downfall of her author ability? I'm so used to reading endings that end in a moment of time. Yeah, a bit more complex. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think it needed a few more pages. Yeah. Out of five? I would give it a four. I would have liked one of the kids to be on the outer. I just think it would have added a different perspective. I know the likes of Sasha and Malcolm were probably tasked with that, but I think it would have been really nice if like 
Dali rejected the inheritance. She wasn't living in that orbit. I just think it would have shaken things up a little bit more. That's so true. I think it would have been a bit of a more complex book if Dali was the one who kind of almost got in trouble for rejecting the inheritance. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah, I think it might have needed like one more layer to the book for me. So I am also giving it a four. Oh. I think it's a pretty perfect rating oh. for this book. I really enjoyed it. I would recommend it, like you said, Cassie, to anyone who's about to go on a holiday over the winter break, finding some sun, lie by the beach or a pool or wherever and read this book you will absolutely have a good time, but you probably aren't listening to this right now <laughs> if you are going to read it. So see you in a few months, maybe. Yeah, I hope you've had a good holiday. <laughs> Guys, that is all we've got time for. Thank you so much for listening to the May instalment of the Shameless Book Club. Next month, we are reading another debut novel, this time from Canadian writer Monica Heisey, who recently released her book Really Good Actually. The Guardian described the novel as a sardonic story of divorce, depression, and the road to recovery. Monica used to also be a screenwriter for Shit's Creek. Oh, I know. Annabelle, will you read me a passage from the blurb? Certainly. <laughs> I always no, keep do that. it in. Yeah. <laughs> Maggie's marriage has ended just 608 days after it started, but she's fine. She's doing really good, actually. Sure, she's alone for the first time in her life, can't afford her rent, and her obscure PhD is going nowhere. But at the age of 29, Maggie is determined to embrace her new status as a surprisingly young divorcee. Soon she's taking up sadness hobbies and getting back out there sex-wise. <laughs> Why do you get so embarrassed? <laughs> oh, I'm a bit sweaty. <laughs> Oversharing in the group chat and drinking with her high-intensity new divorced friend, Amy. As Maggie throws herself headlong into the chaos of her first year of divorce, she finds herself questioning everything, including, why do we still get married? Did I fail before I even started? I cannot wait to read this one. Thank you both so much for joining me. Cassie, thanks for joining us on Book Club. What a delight to have had you on. Oh, thank you for having me. Yay, Cassie. Will you come back on one day? I will. Yeah, great. We will absolutely have you back. Annabelle, thank you as always. If you want to chat to us in the meantime, please do. We are at The Shameless Book Club on Instagram or TikTok. We'll be back in your ears next month. Bye. 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 Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish Stylish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.